0: Hello, and welcome back to The Daily Poem, a podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson, and today is Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Today's poem is by Robert Browning, and it's a longer one, uh, so I'll uh, front load my commentary and then read it just once. I really enjoy this poem because I found that I've come to enjoy this poem more and more uh, in recent years uh, as I became a father. And uh, and as my children began to grow old enough that I could begin sharing with them the books that I love, not just my love of books, but the particular books that I have strong affection for. And there's a kind of joy and pleasure that comes with that, but also a kind of uh, anxiety that comes with that, uh, which uh, Browning reflects on and wrestles with here. Uh, And he comes to a particular conclusion at the end of the poem because, uh, actually, of the accident of the historical moment in which he lives. Uh, however, uh, some uh, developments, uh, let's say archaeological developments, uh, since the time that he wrote this poem uh, might have bring him to a different conclusion were he alive and attempting to write it again today. I'll say more about that after the close of the poem. Uh, But here is Development by Robert Browning. "'My father was a scholar and knew Greek. "'When I was five years old, I asked him once, "'What do you read about the siege of Troy? "'What is a siege, and what is Troy? "'Whereat he piled up chairs and tables for a town, "'set me atop for Priam, called our cat, Helen, "'enticed away from home, he said, by wicked Paris.' Who couched somewhere close under the footstool, being cowardly, but whom, since she was worth the pains, poor puss, Towser and Trey, our dogs, the Atreidae, sought by taking Troy to get possession of, always, when great Achilles ceased to sulk, my pony in the stable, forth would prance and put to flight Hector, our page boy's self. This taught me who was who and what was what. So far, I rightly understood the case at five years old. A huge delight, it proved, and still proves, thanks to that instructor sage, my father, who knew better than turn straight learnings full flare on weak-eyed ignorance, or, worse yet, leave weak eyes to grow sand-blind, content with darkness and vacuity. It happened, two or three years afterward, that I, and playmates playing at Troy's siege, my father came upon our make-believe. How would you like to read yourself the tale properly told, of which I gave you first, merely such notion as a boy could bear. Pope now would give you the precise account of what some day, by dint of scholarship, you'll hear—who knows—from Homer's very mouth. Learn Greek by all means. Read the blind old man, sweetest of singers, Tuflos, which means blind, Hedistos, which means sweetest. Time enough. Try anyhow to master him some day. Until when? Take what serves for substitute. Read Pope by all means. So I ran through Pope, enjoyed the tale, what history so true, also attacked my primer, duly drudged, grew fitter thus for what was promised next, the very thing itself, the actual words, when I could turn, say, butman to account. Time passed, I ripened somewhat, one fine day, quite ready for the Iliad, nothing less. There's Hine, where the big books block the shelf, don't skip a word, thumb well the lexicon. I thumbed well and skipped no wise till I learned who was who, what was what, from Homer's tongue. And there, an end of learning. Has you asked the well-accomplished scholar twelve years old, who was it wrote the Iliad? What a laugh. Why, Homer, all the world knows. Of his life, doubtless some facts exist. It's everywhere. We have not settled, though, his place of birth. He begged for certain and was blind beside. Seven cities claimed him. Scio, with best right, thanks. Byron, what he wrote, those hymns we have, then there's the battle of the frogs and mice, that's all, unless they dig Margites up, I'd like that, nothing more remains to know. Thus did youth spend a comfortable time, until, what's this the Germans say, in fact, that Wolf found out first? It's unpleasant work, their chop and change, unsettling one's belief, all the same, where we live, we learn, that's sure. So I bent brow, or prolegomena, And after Wolfe, a dozen of his like, proved there was never any Troy at all, neither besiegers nor besieged, nay worse, no actual Homer, no authentic text, no warrant for the fiction I, as fact, had treasured in my heart and soul so long. I mark you, and as fact held still, still hold, spite of new knowledge, in my heart of hearts and soul of souls, facts essence freed and fixed from accidental fancies, guardian sheath, Assuredly, thenceforward, thank my stars, however it got there, deprive who could. Ring from the shrine my precious tenantry, Helen, Ulysses, Hector and his spouse, Achilles and his friend, the wolf, ah, wolf. Why must he needs come doubting, spoil a dream? But then, no dreams worth waking, Browning says, and here's the reason why I tell thus much. I, now mature man, you anticipate may blame my father justifiably for letting me dream out my knownage thus, and only by such slow and sure degrees permitting me to sift the grain from chaff get truth and falsehood known and named as such. Why did he ever let me dream at all, nor bid me taste the story in its strength? Suppose my childhood was scarce qualified to rightly understand mythology. Silence at least was in his power to keep. I might have somehow, correspondingly, well, who knows by what method, gained my gains, been taught by forthrights, not meanderings, my aim should be to loathe, like Peleus's son, a lie as hell's gate, love my wedded wife, like Hector, and so on, with all the rest. Could not I have excogitated this without believing such men really were? That is, he might have put into my hand the ethics, in translation, if you please, exact, no, pretty lying that improves to suit the modern taste no more no less the ethics tis a treatise i find hard to read or write now that my hair is gray and i can manage the original at five years old how ill had fared its leaves now growing double or the stagerite at least i soil no page with bread and milk nor crumple dog's ear and deface boy's way Browning there reflecting on the value of uh, giving via education, or maybe giving education via uh, story, uh, a story about men who never lived. But in spite of that, he says his belief in Helen and Ulysses, Hector, and his spouse, Achilles, and his friend, uh, that... They will never be wrenched from his heart or soul of souls uh, by any means. And that regardless of their uh, historical reality, uh, he's learned from them uh, that uh, to hate a lie, uh, to love well. And this is to bring into the conversation in an implicit way uh, a debate that Plato stages in his Republic about the use of poetry in the education of young people. Uh, Browning seems to come down pretty clearly on one side of that issue. Uh, the happy ending that Browning uh, didn't live to see was that in the early 20th century, an amateur archaeologist uh, on a self-funded expedition finally did rediscover the ancient remains of Troy. And all that uh, 19th century German nonsense about there being no Troy and no Homer was finally exploded for good. So all's well that ends well. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can listen to past episodes and search our uh, year's worth of poetry archives at dailypoempod.substack.com. You can also find various ways there to support our show, either by uh, sharing it with people you love maybe even people you hate, turn them into poetry lovers. That'll teach them. Uh, And uh, and by subscribing to receive updates from us or to support us uh, in other ways. And as always, for all of us here at Goldberry, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.